2: You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is my interview with the star for the inspection, Jeremy Pope, and Dan Bear's interview with his co-star, Raul Castillo. Let's What are you
1: doing? What are you doing? If you are you don't do! You will tuck it in! Aye, aye, sir! Aye, aye, sir! Have you been convicted of a felony? Are you communist? Sixty! Fifty! Forty! 30.
2: Are you now? Or have you ever been a homosexual? No, sir! break you. I promise.
0: Are you in trouble? Ma, I need my birth certificate. I need you to help me. I'm gonna be a Marine. (laughs) Marines. No, you waist gayer than two left shoes, and everybody can see it.
2: More than 50 have been wounded or injured in this attack, including several American servicemen who were on patrol there.
0: This all I have left of the dream I held for you.
3: Great. Good morning, friend. What's going on? Jeremy, I told you we'd be here. We told here. you we'd be here bright and early. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you're here because this is a very extraordinary performance uh, that you've given here in the inspection and one that I'm very, very excited to talk about with you here. I want to first by start off by asking about like the beginning, right? receiving yes. the script, talking with elegance. Did you guys talk more about stuff that wasn't even in the script? Yeah. Because I would imagine that there has to be so much rich nuance that has to go into playing uh the person that's making the film itself
0: (laughs) right right yeah i think you know after reading the script i was able to you know hop on a zoom but i had so many follow-up questions you read that Mm -hmm. and i immediately go are are you okay yeah what happened when was this like i I, you know i I went into those questions and understanding like the pieces that aren't you know the sequel if you will what happens after french you know leaves the marines and he gets stationed and where is his mother and i you know i was i was informed on kind of all of that personal work that had happened and why he wanted to make this story um and we talked briefly about the script but it was more so just about life and where we were and and who we want to be as artists and how we use our pain and our trauma to heal the world through our art um i shared things with him he shared things with me and I was like, if you know, given the chance, I'd love to go on this journey with you. And, you know, once we cut to us on set and, or getting ready to be on set, the one thing that I will say is elegance did give me space to find my French. Oh, nice. That was One thing he said early on is like, I don't need you to be me. I don't need you to, you know, like, that's not what he was asking of me. He was like, there's just a presence and an understanding of what I was going through and what I was feeling and i think once we got through a couple of days of said and he saw my process and what i was bringing to the table you know he, he it would be like one take two take because we'd have the conversation i'm i like to talk about it a lot before we shoot it so that we have all of the pieces in the pot so that when we go on it's already marinated and you know thought about and and and, and nuanced if you will so that we can just we can you know soar um, and you know it, it it was a beautiful journey because i was able to bring french you know, an elegance, but I also got to bring pieces of myself. And that, that was healing for me, for me to go into those dark places and dark places with places of hurt and pain, yeah. and things I had like put aside and, you know, was able to kind of just get some resolve to it and put it in my art and cry and be frustrated and, and observe and all the things that I did in real life, but know that, oh, this is going to be, you know, shown in a way that's going to offer kind of something tangible to people out there that need to feel and see this film.
3: Yeah. And it's a very fascinating character to play, too, because here's somebody who just feels like he doesn't have many or if any options left in life. Right. This is the only path to go down to give him any sense of purpose. Um, Otherwise, you know, the alternative is something much more terrible, probably, for him at this current state in his life. You know, I'm just curious to know your own thoughts about how the military still can function that way as a place to go for... People that are just on the wrong path or lost in life and given maybe just any kind of sense of direction. Is that something that you would personally support or is it something that um, you feel that uh, there are other options beyond that? I mean, I think
0: uh, I think the only way to say is to each his own. You know what I mean? Sure. As As your journey and where you are in your journey? I think in regards to, you know, French and elegance, like he was desperate. He didn't have many options, like you said. And he's looking at his life going, okay, I'm black and I'm queer. So I'm going to die because that's what the world and statistics are showing me. That's what data is saying. So if I I serve, it gives me a place to to stay. It gives me food. It gives me shelter. It gives me these things that I need. It maybe gives me an opportunity to have a better relationship with my mother, which I so long for. Yeah, And then when I die, because I'm Black and queer, at least I'll matter to someone. Mm -hmm. Don't say I died of service. And to be in that place is, I think, again, to each zone is very specific. So it's like I can't speak to other people's journeys and where they are and what they need and the resources they have um, and the lack of privilege or opportunity and tools. Um, But I know speaking upon, you know, French, and where elegance was, that was his way into a better life, to a life of community. And what we see is in his journey of serving, he was able to find self-respect, self-assurance, and ultimately know that the things that the world has shown you and told you about yourself, about your existence and your worth is a lie. Yeah, You are everything and you've always been everything and you've always had the tools. And that was the thing that me and elegance wanted you know, to make sure was very clear, Is It wasn't a film where, you know, he goes to the military and he can't do any pushups and then he gets stronger. Like it it wasn't that. It was like he always had this ability to do these things. He just had to step into it. And I think that's the message is like step into your power, step into your greatness and know that the bullshit and the things that people are saying about you are not for you. If they don't serve you, move in another direction, because what we found and what he found in building with this platoon was it's about protecting the man to your left and to your right.
3: Yeah, who cares who you love, ultimately? Right, right. If you could do that, I mean, that's it. Right. that's why Don't Ask, Don't Tell proved to be just such bullshit. Right. And at the end of the day, I love that the film isn't political. It stays focused on this personal journey that this character is going through. But I also want to talk about just depictions of masculinity and what masculinity means in today's society versus what it meant even during uh, the, the 90s, the Clinton administration and so on and so forth, and how you feel masculinity has evolved uh, yeah, since right.
0: then. Yeah, I mean, you know, always from personal experience, can you talk about what you know, because you know it best and it's your truth. Mm-hmm. Um, being a Black man, my dad, um, I grew up in the church. Um, my dad's a pastor uh, and a professional bodybuilder, so we're talking about two wow. things that are very much rooted in hypermasculinity and kind of this idea of what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of talked about this through Q and A's and stuff. But Gab kind of brings up a point about white supremacy and what it really is is the white idea of what a man should be and how you know that man should operate. And mm-hmm. you know, as far as Within the black community, these are tools of survival, so you must be strong, you must provide you must look and act a certain way if you're gay you hide it, you are not flamboyant there's all these things that are taught to us since birth out of survival. Black people have had to survive for so many years. Code switch, you talk like this. If you're, you know, you you don't stay out in the sun, you do that, wear your hair like this. Don't do, you know what I mean? So over the years, we've seen evolution of people pushing back and going, this is who I am. This is what I am. Take me for all that I am. You know what I mean? And we're, you know, making spaces for people to just be. We -hmm. shouldn't have to change everything about us for what and for who and for why. So that was a thing for me as I've had my own evolution and journey with my parents and with family members who have accepted me and family members who don't and think I am serving the devil by making stories like this and being authentic to what has happened to me and what I know. And for so many years, I lived in denial for being gay. I would pray, God, why did you make me gay? Why did you make my life so complicated? Because it feels, quote unquote, easier for me to walk a heteronormative life. To just be the oh he's easy we don't have to clock and worry about him, but as soon as you say hey I'm interested in this or I'm intrigued by this or I want to love a man versus a woman which is something I've been taught all my life it's a problem, you know I, I I'm 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 a problem so I've spent many years of healing and finding communities of people who champion me for the version of me right now for who I am and all that I am, and knowing that the people that don't serve that that narrative, whether that be a mom, dad, sister, cousin, brother, friend, you're not s- serving my ultimate greatness. And I have to learn how to step into that. That's yeah. the thing we should be teaching our children in the next generation to step into your greatness early. Know that you are the potential and you have it all within you. So whatever it is you wanna do, however it looks in your head, step into that and know that it will be right because it's your journey and it's your way of doing this life as we're all trying to figure it the fuck out.
3: Yeah, I feel like the interview could end right there. I don't know how we top that right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do I do have some more. Um, so that was, that was very beautifully put, by the way. Um, do you feel like your success that you've had uh, so early in your career uh, on stage, on television, and now on film? Because like I said, this is a very outstanding performance that you're giving here. And I think it's going to open so many more doors for you than you've already had open. Do you feel that your success that you're seeing right now, the opportunity that you're seeing right now is like, do you feel that change um, that these stories are being more accepted and that these stories are willingly being told by these institutions of power more frequently nowadays?
1: You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable
0: stories. I mean, I, I want to say there's so many ins and outs of how things get made mm-hmm. and there's so much that you don't talk about on camera, you know? And sometimes it's it's it can be an uphill battle making these stories and who's a part of it to get it greenlit and we need money and is it going to get a proper, there's all of those pieces, you know? Um, I feel like in my career, I've been so fortunate to be centered around creatives who are doing the work on stage, on screen, but also behind you know, yeah. behind the stuff that people will never see and acknowledge. Um, one of my first entryways to that as I was in New York, you know, pursuing to be an actor, and so many. Of you know, black men that are queer are fearful of putting themselves out in that way. Because you go, Oh, am I am I gonna only work as as a black queer man? And if you look out, we're not seeing that. We're not, this is before pose, this is before all these things and sure. people are willing to, you know, engage with us for 30 minutes on a TV show. It's like, I'm not seeing an access point. And if I am, it's someone's best friend, or it's so like, you know yeah. what I mean? So there's that fear. But I remember meeting Terrell McCraney, and this is when we were doing Choir Boy in 2012. And watching him and seeing how he was navigating a strong Black man who, very similar to elegance, was willing to put himself on the line Mm -hmm. to go by taking the bullet here, it's going to open up the doors for what's behind me. And they put their stories first and they put their narratives first and they open up the doors. They open up the space for me to walk in and say, Hey, me too. I'm also feeling that. And what I was able to do was step into my truth. I never wanted to lie about who I was and what I am. I don't want to be ashamed of that. I wanted to step into that. So I've been able to find projects that only center that and love me and support me for all that I am. And it also my artistic freedom and creativity. And yeah. then that we then go back and we go, oh, look at Jeremy's career. And all I can say to that is one, I'm very grateful and blessed, but two, it's like, I try to center myself in spaces that serve me and serve Mm -hmm. art in a way. What's my why? Why am I in this room? Why are we doing this? If you don't have one, and I think it'll show up at the end of the day. Why did you do that? Why? It didn't make sense. Like, so I'm always investigated, you know, investigating that. So I just feel very grateful to, to have met the people that I've met on the journey, because while I've been able to perform in great pieces, it's like I'm getting so much self-assurance and healing on my own journey. So to go mm-hmm. from a Terrell McCraney and a Dominic Morso writing mm-hmm. Into Proud, a story about these legends that my parents and, you know, but learn about the hardships of what it means to be a black man in the 60s and the 70s, to now working with someone like elegance, mm-hmm. where it's like. You know, again, putting himself on the line and his story on the line, but we know by us doing this by being vessels in our art is going to speak to so many people out there who now have something tangible. And go I see me i'm not just the the gay best friend i'm the Center story i'm the hero I find self assurance I find self power I find self love, which is what I found in working with these type of you know creatives.
3: And the types of creatives you're working with here, uh, some of your fellow scene partners, Raul Castillo, uh, Bokeem Woodbine, Gabrielle Union. I imagine for you, uh, it must be just really tremendously exciting as an actor to act opposite uh, some of these people here. Um, There's one scene in particular that I do want to uh, ask about because it's very much an internal uh, scene where there are no words uh, spoken between you and Raul in a shower. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just wanted to... Just get your thought process in terms of what um, you think French is thinking uh, during that sequence, both with the intention of walking into the scene and then walking out of the scene.
0: Right, right. I think the thing you know coming from French's POV and being in a desert place and being in this environment, um, he's got things confused. When someone is offering you love, it's because they want something. Or if someone's offering you, "Hey, grab this." Here's a hand. It's what do you want from me? What mm-hmm. do you need from me? So his brain, very similar to a lot of people in the gay community, it's transactional. Yeah. So if you're helping me, if you're coming over here to help me with, you know, in my gun inspect, you know, my, my, my inspection, or you're, you know, you're catering to me in a way that I'm going, you're not doing that with all the other guys. There's an attention to detail that you have with me. Yeah. I miss French is misreading those signals for it must be transactional. You must mm-hmm. want something from me. So you begin to fantasize and he begins to fantasize of that idea of like, oh, he loves me, he, he wants me. And it's like, as we get to the scene, he expresses, I'm protecting the man to my left and to my right. I joined the Marines for this. Black, white, gay, straight, it don't matter. And I think to see that message and that evolution and that pain and that confusion is just very real because I, you know, when we were shooting it and as it plays in the movie, you kind of get to that place where like, well, French, don't fuck it up now. Like you, you know, you're yeah, almost, exactly. you're almost there. And but that's the complicated layer, and that's and I and I love that we were able to explore that, and we had a lot of conversations, you know, with Raoul um, and and with Elegance to just go, what are what do these moments mean, and try to try to make sure we're peppering it enough throughout it. Um, and again, being a queer man in spaces of hyper-masculinity and men, there's so much that you do that looking down, it's like being in the locker room and, you know, you've been in locker rooms and guys are just doing whack, crazy shit. And you're like, but as a gay man, I got to move a specific way or else I'm dead. I, I, it's not safe anymore. So I think, you know, for a moment, French found safe. Uh, and, you know, it's Raul, you know, the character offers him to, the phone to call his mom. Like he's giving yeah. him these tokens and these things of helping him and seeing him. so again it's just that that line for French and where he's at in his journey to go do you, what do you want from me? you must mm-hmm. want something sexual from me. you know what I mean like it, it comes at a cost so what's the cost yeah um and I love that we were able to explore that and then resolve that with really understanding while you know why Raoul's character was there and his his journey of you know of service, yeah. Um, you know, I, mean, I think that's a very teachable moment for French.
3: Absolutely. Because uh, French really is against the odds here when you have uh, Pukin Woodbine, who uh, is just breaking him down to the point of murder, even right, in right. one particular scene. I'm curious to know uh, from your own personal experience, because I've heard so many stories about actors having to go through, quote unquote, boot camp mm-hmm. uh, for these types of films. Uh, what was it like uh, for you from that physicality standpoint and your breakdown process? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I imagine you had to go through it uh, to yeah. a certain rigorous amount of uh, detail here. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, it was tough. <laughs> it was yeah. tough. Uh, I'm like, the flashes are happening. I began to sweat, you know, like. Uh, <laughs> no, but it, it, it was tough and it was hard. We were shooting in Mississippi. It was 115, 16 degrees. Oh minor. my God. Um, You know, we're shooting this kind of independent movie and you you know that there's just a way that that has to move and making your days happen and you know um we had octaya jones who was kind of our military instructor and coordinator um and she was on us. she was not an actress she is not an actress she was Mm -hmm. really teaching us and making sure we looked good and she actually served with elegance um when he when he was serving and um you know it was tough it was it was it was brutal but We were all in it together we all had to shave our heads we all had to do these things and you know what I mean, so it was kind of like building a platoon for the the months that we were filming. um, You know, and just leaning on each other and also it's in a pandemic, so we really are kind of in a bubble it's like these are the people you work with these are the people you stay with. Um, So physically it was very demanding emotionally, it was very demanding I don't think I realized how much space, I was going to have to make. Um, and leading this film in this way for elegance because there would be days where he just wouldn't have it because he's healing in real
3: time. Yeah. Was there ever like a scene uh, during any kind of the training sequences where because your character is a a newcomer, a rookie, whatever you want to call it, uh, that they decided, you know what, we're not going to, practice and rehearse we're gonna we're gonna shoot the rehearsal yeah, and yeah like have jeremy go through this for the first time because that is what french is going through was there ever anything like that or? i
0: think a lot of it, actually a lot of the <clears throat> anything physical it was kind of like we would talk about it
3: mm-hmm. um you know as a crew to be like
0: okay we're gonna do these push-ups or we're gonna do pull-ups or whatever and you know like we just would say, okay, this is the shot, and then we would do it. Like he would, and yeah, wow. was all about. He didn't want to over rehearse it because he wanted to, you know, wants to catch the the real moment. Is what he said. I want to catch you in the act. It's almost like method. Yeah. Uh, and I'd be like, there is a process. Like we can talk about. All of it. We don't just have to get. You know, go. Uh, I remember one specific moment when we got to kind of like the final boot camp course. It was like we get to set and like all the boys all of a sudden are like wanting to run it and do it. And I was like, this is this is it. This is what this film is like. Everyone's like, how many pull ups can you do? And it's like, we're not even shooting. Um, So, you know, in a gym class. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, definitely felt that. Um, But a lot of the moments, you know, were were built in that way where. we would kind of, you know, technically talk about it and then just do it. So I'd get up on that pull-up bar and be like, ooh, how many can I do? Like, how many can Jeremy do? And then how many can French do? And, you know, just kind of negotiating that in the moment um because he very much you know wanted to keep the camera kind of steady you know handheld and just capturing the moments and the pov of what french was seeing and how he was taking in what he needed to take in to be able to to deliver whether it was said push-up task pull-up task running challenge like whatever it was um so that was what we were kind of exploring in the filmmaking of it all
3: well, Jeremy, I'm, I'm super impressed with the physicality, the emotion, uh, the character work that went into it. As I said before, your performance in this movie is just extraordinary. I'm curious to know what it is that you have coming up next, whether it's on stage, film, television. We all want to know uh, what you got planned.
0: <laughs> um, I am currently filming a film about uh, the collaboration between Andy Warhol and uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat. Um, so I'm working with Paul Bettany, who's just a dream to work with. He's playing Andy Warhol. And us, uh, we're in Boston wrapping up filming now. And then we go three days after we wrap to New York and we get ready for Broadway. So um, the collaboration will be at Manhattan Theater Club, Samuel J. Friedman Theater from, I think, like November, December till till. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm very excited about that to just, like, you know, be portraying him and stepping into to his perspective of life and art. Um, and I'm, I'm just I'm just very excited for where the journey has been taking me thus
3: far. Absolutely. We're very excited for that journey as well. Jeremy, once again, thank you so much for the time here. I appreciate you waking up uh, the night after <laughs> asked the party. my to row, but I'm here. I'm here with you, I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Have thank a good rest you of your have day. Have a
1: good day. Take care. Real question is, why do you want to be I want to be a Marine. That's not good enough. To be a good Marine means to know thyself and seek self improvement That means you, dammit! I sir!
0: They kicked you out, didn't they? My mom, she won't even talk to me. Most of my friends are dead or in jail. If I die in this uniform, I'm a hero.
1: Somebody. Who kept okay, it supposed to break you down? Wanna go home? If we leave, they win. Why is this weapon your best friend, Recruit? Because it's the thing that protects the Marine to my left and to my right, sir.
0: I could have left you at any doorstep.
4: and welcome to the Next Best Picture podcast where we are talking with Raul Castillo, one of the stars of the new film The Inspection. Hello, Raul. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Hello, Dan. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So
4: your character in The Inspection, you are Rosales, who is one of the trainers at the marine corps training academy attended by the film's lead and he's basically the nice one like as much as any of the trainers can be considered the nice one what was your approach when building this character because he's he has a lot of layers to him
1: absolutely um they're technically called uh, drill instructors drill instructors uh, yes uh, that's right. Bokim uh, Woodbine plays the senior drill instructor. Uh, Nick Logan plays what's referred to as the kill hat, meaning the kill hat is the bulldog. Essentially, just drives them through toughness and you know and uh, keeps them on their toes in terms of like yelling at them and and really being there to be aggressive and to to you know uh, throw them off. And Rosales is what's known as the drill hat, and the drill hat is. Primarily there to instruct, uh, to build up the Marines, to inform them. And uh, he sees uh, French, uh, played by Jeremy Pope, as, as a kind of a special project, I would say. Uh, he spends the duration of uh, boot camp showing him. I guess compassion is the best way to put it. Um, I, I think he sees potential in French, you know, where the other drill instructors see weakness, Rosales sees uh, potential. And he spends the duration of the film uh, showing him compassion and really building him up and instructing him to make him just the best Marine that he could be.
4: Yeah, and this was based on writer-director Elegance Bratton's own life. So. That's right. what- How involved was he in your characterization of Rosales during the making of the film? Yeah, I mean,
1: absolutely. So, so Elegance, you know, uh, was a young homeless kid in, you know, New York city and kind of living this aimless life and just came to a point where he needed things to change and he enlisted in the Marines and he was, he served in the Marines for eight years, um. And uh, I think he's had enough time now to reflect on his own experiences and he wanted to use that story. Uh, It's not autobiographical. There are autobiographical Mm -hmm. elements, but very much fiction based on events he personally encountered. And Rosales is sort of an amalgamation, I think, of a couple of people that that Elegance came across while serving and and during boot camp. Um, I mean, he was essential in my... uh, building this character um he not only was he you know wonderful director he he also provided us with um some real expertise not only his, in his own experience but we had drill instructors uh who who kind of were there to train us and to uh, kind of uh, inform our performances so that was really helpful but he was always there and he was always available and just having access to you know someone who was in that experience i mean there's nothing like it you know um mm-hmm. i've i i played uh service men before i played people who have served and uh, uh, both active duty and and non active and and uh, and i've gotten to be exposed to uh, uh, some people who have like been through the military uh, or but i've never had access like this Mm-hmm. where every day we have some, not just Elegance, but Octavia Jones, who is our, uh, uh, she's currently a drone instructor, uh, in, um, is it Camp Le- Lejeune, I think, in, in the West Coast, uh, I, I, don't know if I'm getting that right, but, um, uh, she, she's an active duty, uh, drone instructor, so, uh, and then, um, you know, our, uh, Elegance's assistant is also, um, uh, Holly, who, Holly Andrews, who's, uh, just left the service and is graduating from Columbia grad school. So we had, mm-hmm. and then they had, and then Allens had friends that came through as well that were had served with him. So we had, I mean, incredible access to 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 people who, who had been through this experience and can just inform us. So and you don't you don't always get that kind of um, you don't always have a privilege like that. You know, it was it was not lost on me. It was it was a wonderful way to build a character and, and sort of inf- inform him with yeah humanity i hope yeah yeah he he's a very
4: deep and interesting character and you're right there is a lot of interesting complicated humanity i think at play um with this character <laughs> I, I love that i love you guys actually had a lot of drill instructors on set did the cast did you go to boot camp or anything before in preparation for the
1: film we didn't go to boot camp. I mean, we did some we did some training before we got started. Uh more of the drill instructors I think because we really had to get obviously it, it that's such a specific uh you know my my voice was in a particular place that whole summer that we were shooting last summer 2021. Um my my physique like everything like like it was it, it, it was living in a certain I mean I'm I'm such a sloucher but I knew that I could not slouch <laughs> for a moment during you know and and uh we had some training but it was interesting because elegance also created an environment in which he really divided the drill instructors and the recruits and he kept us separate you know it it, for the better part of the film and that was a really cool because you know it was kind of the process of it you know we filmed in jackson mississippi uh we found they found rather our uh, location scout found a, a police training facility that could double for paris island and uh so we all descended on Jackson. And there's not, a, you know, for someone who lives in New York City, there's not, a, there's not a whole lot to do in Jackson. I mean, you know, like, uh, <laughs> so, you know, we were staying in this, you know, Homewood Suites and uh, we were, you know, we were all there together and we were just kind of like, it mirrored the the, the experience of, I think, going to boot camp. It was nothing like it by any means, but mm. but the, the, the sort of like, you know, it was to get all these men specifically together in this one space and like these young men and these older men and like, the, it sort of mirrored the experience I think in some ways. And and, and that was a real gift for me as an actor because whenever the, the process mirrors the form, I mean, it's it's such a gift. Uh, and, and and Elegance really was like, uh, from the get go, he was intent on mirroring it as much as we possibly could. Don't you know that
2: you're a grown up?
4: Yeah, that that feels like, in some ways, you know, Elegance, this is his narrative feature debut, but he's made um, documentaries before. I, that feels like sort of like a right. documentarian instinct kicking in to make it as real as possible. Did you find that there was anything like special about the way he directed this that was different from other projects you've worked on with uh, people who were more experienced with narratives?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of said this about, we the Animals, which I did a number of years back, which, yes! which that was that was also documentary and making his first narrative film. And there's something about documentarians because the thing is, you know, you go to school to either act or make films or do theater, and you you're taught to experiment and play and 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 really push the envelope in terms of how you're going to approach the process. But then you get out into the world and then and the, com- the the commerce of it all. Kills any kind of creativity a lot of times, but documentarians sort of don't know that there are these rules about how you should do things, so they kind of they make up their own rules. And elegance, really, I mean, uh, it, it, there was a wildness to to the way that we that this film was made, and I, and, it, and it and it and it was very much in part because he didn't know that there was you know that there was these you know hard rigid rules that that, that traditional filmmaking has to like live by. The way that it flows, the way that it it washes over you, it's it's beautiful, I think, the way that they put it together because it's not, you know, it's not a cookie-cutter film. And I think that that is in part because of uh, of Elegance's uh, documentarian background.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It definitely feels kind of special when you're watching it, too. It's very focused on the place and the people in a way that feels like it does feel like you can feel that documentarian instinct sort of kick in a bit totally no you have um yeah i guess intimate would be the right word scenes with jeremy pope uh who (laughs) who plays the lead Alice french in this in this film and they're not like actually intimate but they are sort of the just the two of you in very close quarters acting very very tightly uh together (laughs) and you said that elegant sort of kept the jewel instructors and the recruits separate on set did you and jeremy do any kind of rehearsal for those scenes at all how how did you guys build that sort of relationship
1: no i mean you know the thing is jeremy comes from theater as do I and and I think we have a similar way of working uh he's so gifted and he's so present that's which is all I ever want in a scene partner you know because then all you have to do is 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 give and receive and, and and if you listen and respond uh if you have a good scene partner then you just have to that's I since I started acting I, didn't, I never trained as an actor so it's all been instinctual and I always knew that if if I can if I can just play off the other person and live in the moment then then I did my best work always and and jeremy I was kind of getting to know him as we made the film which is the experience of Rosales and French they're getting to know each other as men you know as as as, as two men in the in, in in this world and and uh uh yeah no he made my job very easy uh he's such a wonderful actor he's so gifted and and, and um he's so present with me. We were working on those scenes and then, you know, not to give too much away, but there's these wonderful fantasy sequences that are really playful. And those were, you know, those were a lot of fun to shoot. And we, we had we had yes. a lot of good laughs in, in those moments, and um, you know, and then and, 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 and yeah, those were so fun because it's, the, those fantasy sequences are so different, both in how they were shot, but in how they look. The visual aesthetic is so different than the rest of the film and and we had we got to be playful with with those scenes and then and then and then you had you had the reality for French and, and Rosales which was also there's an intimacy and there's uh, a, a real you know they develop a bond and and um, French at one point reads into that uh, the, into his compassion and and they you know they have to give too much away but they it it, it, it becomes like the crossroads in the relationship, but in, in a really interesting way. And I think Elegance does a wonderful job of like kind of towing the line of what is this? Who are these, you know, who are these two people and how are they engaging with one another? And and um, I, I love how the, the, the relationship uh, plays throughout the film because it's never very definitive. It's it, it always leaves it, there's room for interpretation on the audience's part. And I love, I love storytellers who don't hit you over the head. With a, you know a message or, or or primary colors, there's very much like there's this film lives in 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 much more complex colors, and 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 I, I love stories like that.
4: Yeah, and it it was very fun to watch that sort of dance between French and and Rosales in that way because it is how much is how much are we the audience reading into it versus how much French is reading into it versus like how much is, is Rosales? How true is he being in these scenes? Right. Totally, totally. <laughs> Cause it does take place during that. Don't ask, don't tell period. And you can definitely feel, I mean, was it conscious for you when you were, when you were performing this, when you were building the character of Rosales, did you always have that in the back of your mind that he is constantly on guard that anyone could say anything and see anything at any time?
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting how much the culture has changed, right? Like uh yeah. the culture in the military, like it's so specific to to an era, uh, uh, um, and certainly that it's so dictated by elegance's experience. Uh, I I'm kind of act, you know, the dialogue. I, I let the dialogue live, and and I let the audience read what they want to read into it. You know, I don't, I don't try to add like I I try to stay like I stay try to stay away from indicating anything. I just want to say the the language, the dialogue, and let. The storyteller, the director, kind of orchestrate what the audience is going to interpret or feel. Nice,
4: and you can you can see that, you can see that in the in the performance. Yeah. I think that that really that really works. And going back to like elegance being a documentarian by you know before this, the screenplay for this, how much was how much of like. <laughs> stage directions were there or was it a mostly dialogue and the actions or like
1: subtext of the scene was just like on set i would say the the narration uh i mean there's so much that is not said in this film like there's like a lot of like beautiful imagery and shots and you know i would say i mean some you know these scenes were so well written that we could just we could have just done what was written and we would have been fine. Um mm-hmm. but elegance did incur, like there were moments of improvisation, especially with the drill instructors. Nick Logan did such a wonderful job as as um as the, the 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 third drill instructor, like you know, kind of going off the rails. And and I think we were encouraged to improvise in certain moments. Like there's there's a moment when I'm like do, doing cadence, like that wasn't in the script, uh, meaning like I'm um, cadence is like when I'm singing along, and we we do this call and response mm. as as the as the as the recruiter. You know, elegance was like, go find a cadence and, and and memorize it, and then we'll go shoot it tomorrow, because uh, it's gonna rain, and we gotta we gotta figure something out. Uh, <laughs> but I think a lot of, a lot of the script was as is. I mean, like I think there were things that he was rewriting, and that's the, that's the wonderful thing about a documentarian is. They, like they have their plan which is the script and then they see room for opportunity in, what, in, the, in the given circumstances and like of the day when we're shooting and then they and then they just run with it and he was real genius at at kind of um at, at adapting and not and not being like so tied down to the script at certain times but but you know a lot of it is as written but uh, um but there was a lot of description there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of, of information in there for the actors uh to glean from that wasn't just the dialogue.
4: It's great that's great it really sounds like this is a very very thought out um in the early stages this the the whole thing totally. and that that's really incredible and yeah it, com- it comes through on screen um Absolutely.
1: yeah it up to someone like effie brown who produces the film and she really gave uh elegance like space to play and and not all producers are like that you know he did she was really protective of elegance in 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 the best way possible uh um so he was he was able to you know sometimes first time feature filmmakers are so bogged down by the industry by producers by all kinds of and and, and they don't get to tell the story they set out to make all these all these other elements come into play but effie really was incredible in, in in protecting elegance and protecting the process so and, and it, as was eight twenty four. So I I have to give it up to them. That
4: that is really fantastic to hear, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I hope that I hope that more uh, first time filmmakers get that get that opportunity to work with people like that. Sure. Be, yeah, yeah, indeed. yeah. So this is obviously coming out soon, going to be an awards season quote unquote heavy hitter. Right. What is coming next for you after this?
1: Um I have I'm currently doing a play near a theater workshop called American Televisions that we're closing this weekend that I'm really excited about. It's a beautiful play written by a writer named Victor Ay um, who's also from the border, like myself, the Texas-Mexico border. Um, I have a film called Miguel Wants to Fight on Hulu mm. that should be coming out at some point next year. And I did a film called Cassandro with a documentarian. <laughs> named <Roger Ross> Williams. <laughs> His name is Roger Ross Williams and Cassandra stars Guy Garcia Bernal as uh, a guy named Saúl Armendariz, who is a real life uh, Lucha Libre fighter that goes under the mo- moniker Cassandra. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm really excited about that film, about both those films.
4: I'm noticing a theme here. A lot of former <laughs> documentarians that you seem to be seeking out
1: <laughs> or I they
4: seek they keep, you out. I don't know. <laughs> I hope they keep, yeah, hope they keep out. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for talking with us today, Raul, and letting us know what's happening next for you. Before we go, what is the thing that you took away most from this movie from making this movie and what do you hope that audiences take away from it when they're watching it what did you want to leave people with
1: i think the element of the story that that i really connected with was the story of an underdog and an underdog persevering and and ultimately winning in the end like even when all the odds are against you i've been at that place in my life where i have nowhere to turn to i've been at that place where things are really scary and and uh and i hope that people will see that, that there's hope always that you, no matter how bad times can get that that we have to hold on to to hope i think that's a beautiful message yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> it's, it's what connected me to the script honestly like when i first read it i was like oh i, I have to be in this movie i want i i, I like Uh, These are the kinds of stories I want out in the world. This is what we need out in the world. Yeah. Well, So so, so thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Um,
4: (laughs) Yeah. And thank you. Thank you for coming on, talking with us, and giving such an interesting interview. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Pleasure. Thank you so much.
2: Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with the star for Elegance Bratton's The Inspection, Jeremy Pope, and Dan Baer's interview with his co-star, Raul Castillo here on The Next Best Picture Podcast. The Inspection will be playing in limited release from A24 on November 18th before going wide in theaters on December 2nd. You have been listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next
4: time.